Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speak Up Says Podcast. This is the place where everyday women and men have an opportunity to share their stories to inspire yours. We say what you think no one wants to hear, but everyone needs to know. I'm your host, Angel Charmaine, and I am excited to be here with you all for yet another one-on-one with Angel conversation. And tonight is going to be good. I've got a beautiful woman who just happens to be an author like yours truly. But tonight we're going to get an opportunity to hear a little bit more about her story. And she has an amazing story of freedom through redemption. But tonight we're gonna talk about what she had to break free from. So without further ado, y'all know me, I don't like a lot of jaw jacking. Gonna go ahead and bring into the space Miss Jane Goldie Wynn. Welcome, Goldie. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, Angel, for having me. Oh, you are so very welcome. I got a chance to see you in the uh, Instagram space, and I saw your book. It's entitled Rainbow in the Night, A Journey of Redemption. I love the title. So I started digging just a little bit more and when I got a chance to see what, what was behind the story in the book, I was like, okay, yep, I want to have that conversation. <laughs> so thank you for saying yes to the invitation to come and share your story with us tonight on Speak Up This Podcast. Well, it's my honor. <laughs> All right. So if you will, please, let's get started with you sharing with the audience a little bit about who you are and what it is that you're currently doing. Okay. Well, as you mentioned, Jane Goldie Wynn and author Rainbow in the Night, Journey of Redemption. Um, I also happen to be a life coach, and I've been married to my soulmate since 1974, so that dates me. Um, If any of you saw the movie Forrest Gump, well, I might have been just a little bit like Jenny. Jenny. But currently, I'm working in a pregnancy center, what used to be called a crisis pregnancy center, and now they're called pregnancy resource centers. And I help women who are in the process of trying to decide what to do about their pregnancies. Um, I've been actually doing this ministry since 19, um, yeah, 1997, actually. And um, it's just my heart and my passion because so many women find themselves in an unplanned pregnancy and just don't know what to do. Um, We happen to be pro-life, but we are very respectful of the woman wherever she is, and we try to help her to make a decision that she can live with, but we want her to know that there are other options, because abortion is not the quick, easy fix that so many people think it is. Right. Probably what we'll be talking a little bit more about tonight. A lot about that tonight. And I'm going to tell you what is very interesting about the work that you currently do is the position that you currently have and you know the stance, because you said, yes, I'm pro-life, but right. It's interesting because I know your story. Yes, you do. <laughs> so let's dive on into this. If you will, please. Uh, Start wherever you would like to start in terms of the past that you had to break free from. 
Okay. Well, first of all, I will say that it took me 20 years to finish writing the book because I really felt that I couldn't write the book unless I was free. Because if I was still carrying baggage and weight and I would come across like a victim, that wouldn't necessarily help other people to feel like, oh, wow, there's hope here. We can break free from these things. So I really had to work through things myself and get to the other side so that I could come at it from a place of, of true freedom and redemption and be able to see how the Lord could take something like in Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So I wanted that to happen. Um, but let's just say I started out as a pretty depressed little girl, and people used to say, oh, she's going to carry around a pocket full of tears wherever she goes, because mm. <laughs> um, I was depressed and I held all my feelings inward. And Partly for me, it was hard because I had a father who was a very high-profile psychiatrist. And um, in the 1950s, he was the superintendent of a very large state hospital, mental hospital, in Independence, Iowa. And um, when he started in 1957, there were 1,100 patients and 500 employees that he was responsible for. So it was a a very stressful job, um, but he did an amazing job um, just really transforming it, and and it became one of the most comprehensive mental health treatment centers, and he made who's who in America. But it was hard, Angel, because behind closed doors, he was very different. Mm. Um, There was, especially with my older sister, much more so than myself, um, there was physical abuse, there was emotional abuse, and it was really hard for me to bridge that gap, you know, I, when we would go out, outside of the superintendent's apartment and walk down this winding staircase into the administration area, everybody would rise to their feet wow. because my father was like a patriarch. They would rise to their feet whenever they saw him. So we would see how everybody else looked at him, and then we saw him very differently behind closed doors. So that part was hard, and I guess what ended up happening is when I went to school in uh, 1967 at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa. At the time, I was a music major. And it was when the hippie movement was just starting. And um, I had led a very sheltered life. I, I, I was Jewish. And in my small town of independence of 5,000 people, there weren't any, maybe one older Jewish person. That was it. So, you know, I, I really felt alone. And I and I didn't really even know who, who I was. And so when I got on campus and everybody was doing the free love and hippie and do whatever you want, you know, you live for the moment. It was like, this sounds, this sounds fun. So, um, so I hadn't even dated. So I go to school and I end up in, you know, the free love, drugs, rock and roll, the whole thing. And, um, and unfortunately, during that time period, a couple years later, I found myself pregnant. Mm. And, oh, boy. There's no way that I could ever let my father know that I was pregnant because it, you know, it was so important what, what others thought of him and his daughter. Can you imagine him having to explain to people how his daughter was pregnant out of wedlock? Because in those days, you just did not get pregnant out of wedlock. You did not marry outside your faith. There was a lot of taboos. So I just thought to myself, I was living in a hippie commune while at the same time, living on campus because I was paying or my parents were paying for a dormitory. So they had no idea I was living this double lifestyle. And um, so when I found myself pregnant, I thought, I I can't, there's nothing, I cannot have this baby. Now it was before Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade was in 1973. And this was in 1970. And I was 20. So I was underage um, in terms of, you know, um, how, how 
everybody would look at the situation and whether I could have any medical attention. But I knew that abortion, even though it wasn't legal in the country, it was legal in certain states. And I found out that I could get an abortion in California. And at the time, I was in school in Michigan. I had switched majors. I was a music therapist at that time, studying music therapy. And um, and I just thought to myself, there's no way I can have this baby. There weren't any ultrasounds. There was no crisis pregnancy center where I could talk to anybody. And just out of fear, I just said, I have to do this. And all my friends got together, and we sold things together so that I would have enough money to fly out to California and have the abortion. And I remember, um, unfortunately, because I went into denial about it, I had no idea that I was into the second trimester. Again, there were no ultrasounds. But oh, I was wow. Yeah, very far along now. At the time, I was very heavy. I was 70 pounds heavier because, you know, when you do drugs, especially marijuana, they, you have the munchies, right? And I would just be eating all the time. So I, I guess the reason why I went into denial about the pregnancy, I was already heavy and I wasn't having any symptoms. So I had no idea that I was that far along. Okay. But because I was that far along, I would have to have a second trimester abortion, which is pretty horrific because you have to actually have, you know, go into labor and actually deliver a, a dead baby. And I hate to be so graphic, but that's what has to happen. And, and I remember when I went into the hospital, the nurse would say, you know, when the baby stops kicking, let me know. Because hmm. in those days, they did something called a saline abortion, which was terrible. You know, it's just terrible. But um, so what, you know, we were talking before the broadcast about post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. And little did I know that this next thing that I'm going to tell you went underground for 27 years. But when I delivered the baby and it went into the pan, the nurse said, oh, you would have had a perfect baby boy. Oh, okay. We got to pause right here. Yeah, yeah right. And you got to breathe. Yes, I <laughs> I know, I know, right? Angel has to breathe. Yes. You got to take all of this in. Give, yeah. give me a moment. Yes. Because you just shared a lot. Yes. So we want to process some of this in the small amount of time that we can, right? Yes. Um, I, I believe it's, it's understandable how a young woman could find herself in the place that you found yourself, uh, especially with an understanding of your father, the mm-hmm. high pro- profile type of career he had in person. He was in, in your town and your mm-hmm. city state probably as well. Um, and then dealing with the trauma you were dealing with behind mm-hmm. the scenes. I think it's understandable to get to a place as mm-hmm. a young woman in college and and find yourself there. Okay. Now we get <laughs> now you had some good friends. Yes. Oh, I did. I did. Yeah. You had some good friends who were yes. like, we're gonna help you with this. But you yeah. get to you get to this place where you're gonna have the procedure. Um, I'm gonna back up a little bit and ask you when you said I was kind of in denial, you were just in denial. Did you get to a place of coming out of denial and what was that state of mind like well it really took me 27 years really before I came out of denial because what happened was just after the abortion I didn't know that that statement that the nurse made 
mm-hmm. went totally down into my subconscious, and I did not remember it until 1997 when I was going through a post-abortion Bible study. Mm-hmm. I was working in a pregnancy center in Pennsylvania at the time as a client services director, and in order to help and counsel other women, I had to go through the post-abortion Bible study to make sure that I was totally healed. And when we came to the place in the Bible study where I had to come to terms with the fact that I ended the life of my baby, I'll just say to you, Angel, I was down on the floor sobbing. I couldn't even get off the floor. It was as though the abortion happened yesterday, even though it was 27 years later. It just came bursting through the subconscious into my present state of mind, and I just could not sobbing start stop sobbing. So all those tears that had gone down under just came up. And I couldn't even get off the floor for the longest time because in reality, you know, women are born to nurture life. And when I, you know, this was before I knew the Lord that that right. happened. And then I came to know the Lord in 1974. And, you know, again, it wasn't until I, I got into the Pregnancy Center Resource Ministry that I, I even dealt with the abortion. But I that was when the Lord brought it up to the surface for me because I was in a safe place to be able to process it with two therapists who were leading the Bible study, post-abortion Bible study. So I felt all the pain, and that's when I remembered what the nurse said, that you would have had a perfect baby boy. That had gone down under, like we talked about post-traumatic stress. I went into post-traumatic stress right after the abortion. I started doing more drugs. I became more promiscuous. I just numbed myself out. I just could not deal with life, and I, and I actually had to drop out of college because I couldn't focus anymore. I was having nightmares and flashbacks, and I didn't know that it really was related to the abortion at the time. I just thought because of all the drugs I was doing and my lifestyle that that's what it was about, but now I know that it really was post-traumatic stress disorder because it was a very traumatic event to go through a second trimester abortion. So how did you get to a place in your adult life where you began to live or did you let me let me say that because I'm about to make an assumption (laughs) where you lived what we would consider a normal adult life where you you meet a man you get married and all of those things when did life stop being about sex, drugs, numbing, and you actually Mm -hmm. started to live a relatively normal life, even though you had not gone through the process of healing? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, actually, I can tell you exactly when it happened. (laughs) August 4th, 1974, my husband and I, we we had been living together because, again, that was part of the hippie thing. You just lived with someone, and I was living with him. Although when I first met him, I knew in my heart he was my soulmate. Mm-hmm. And um, we were invited to a prayer meeting, and it was, um, you know, an, um, interdenominational. So there were Catholics and Baptists and Presbyterians and all different denominations, and they were all, like, raising their hands and singing to Jesus. And my husband and I had been professional musicians at the time, and we were playing supper clubs and playboy clubs, and, you know, we were used to singing to a bunch of drunks. So when we walked into this church we didn't expect to see all these people so full of joy and singing songs to jesus and me as a jewish person i never believed that jesus was for me you know because jewish people don't believe in jesus as the lord and say as your lord and savior they're expecting the messiah yet to come but here i walked into this prayer meeting and all these people were singing about him 
And I was just drawn to him. I had to know who Jesus was. So they were just so wonderful, and they just shared, you know, their testimonies with us. And and David had been brought up Catholic, and I had been brought up Jewish. But together, we got on our knees August 4th, 1974, and invited Jesus into our lives. And a threefold cord is not easily broken in Ecclesiastes. And three three months later, we got married. Um, yes, November 23rd, 1974, because we knew we the way we were living was not right. <laughs> so we got married. And if I could just tell you from that moment on, the Lord just transformed our lives. And he had, not that we haven't been through some bumpy times, as I wrote about in the book, we had to work through some marital issues along the way that weren't easy. But we knew that we always had the Lord in the center of our marriage and nothing was going to come between us. We knew that we could get through it, whatever it was. And we did. And that's why, you know, I can honestly say today, having gone through my own healing process with the abortion, having gone through, you know, when I, when I came to know the Lord, actually, I will tell you that um, there was somebody there that said, Goldie, I feel from the Lord that your gift is going to be the gift of joy. And if I could tell you, the moment I prayed to receive Jesus into my life and into my heart, I was filled with this unspeakable joy. I mean, it just came, bubbled up, you know, all over. And I had nothing to do with me because I was always depressed. Mm -hmm. So I knew it was a gift. And that is my gift. That's the gift the Lord has given me is the gift of joy. And not that I haven't gone through some difficult times. But that joy always, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength, Nehemiah. Well, that's so true, Angel. And that joy is what has, has, has sustained me. And, you know, Second Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, old things have passed away, mm-hmm. and behold, all things have become new. And that's really what's happened. And that's why now I'm on the redemptive side, because I can help other people and leading into, you know, why the book is being made into a movie is because if the Lord can do this for me, if he can heal me and he can do this transformation in my life, he wants to do it for you too. And that's the whole thing because I'm, I'm not anybody special. It's just that I have a story and I'm willing to give the Lord my story and I'm willing for others to have hope knowing that they too can heal and get to the other side of their pain. It's a lot of work. I'm not yeah. going to say it's easy. Lots of thousands of dollars on therapy and, <laughs> and lots of people praying for us along the way. But, you know, it's so worth it because now I just know that from this place of freedom, you know, I really can bring hope to other people. So that's, Ooh, I know, I'm it's a lot to think right now. <laughs> I had another, I had another uh, husband, wife team to guest on the show. They have a song called Roller Coaster. Oh. I feel like I'm a, on a roller coaster of emotions right now. <laughs> I heard that song. I loved that song. I saw that podcast. My husband and I watched it, and we were like, "Whoa, that was awesome!" And they're so dynamic. And I'm just sitting here like, "Oh my goodness!" At first, I went from, "Oh my gosh!" Right, like such a sharp uh, sadness, right? And then, uh, and now it's like. <gasps> I'm just going over with joy and excitement. And it's just a lot. Tell me, how how many years have you and your husband been married now? Well, I can't count, started. so don't, don't ask me to count it. Oh, no, no, I know. I, that's why I have to always remember. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. It was, no, but actually, we celebrated our 47th wedding anniversary in November, but we've known each other for 50 years. 
We were just. Wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I want to say to everyone watching, there are so many takeaways from this and we're not even done. We still have a few minutes, but so many takeaways. One thing I love about your story, Goldie, is that the Lord didn't begin to bless you after you right. The blessings didn't begin after you did everything right or after oh, you yes, so met your husband right in the thick of it. And, and you two grew together and God met you both exactly where you were. And I think it's important for people to know that mm-hmm. God meets us right where we are. Yes. And that you can, you can, you can be in a thing and you can meet uh, the love of your life in the thick of it. And 50 years later, yes and telling the world how good god i mean we're talking about a woman who says i was jewish and a man who said i was catholic and we got sex drugs and rock and roll and abortions and all sorts of things but in the midst of all of that god was yeah. like they belong to my son mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started goldie <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So golly, I've got like eight minutes left and I, and there's so much more that I want to tap into before we start to phase out for the night. I really want you to, um, as succinctly as you can (laughs) just share a little bit about the psychosomatic pain, because I think that's important. When you told me about it, I had, I had never heard of it. And so I was like, I don't know what that is. But I think it's important for women to understand that when they make a decision yes. like abortion, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't just go away. And I think that's a part of the work that you currently do, right? So if you yeah. will, please share a little bit about that before yes. we Well, it's called post-traumatic stress disorder. And actually, after the Vietnam War is when the term was coined and that it entered into the the DSM, the Diagnostic Psychiatric Manual that that everybody looks at in in the mental health field. And and the reason why it became a diagnosis was because the Vietnam vets, all coming back, had the same symptoms. They had flashbacks. They had nightmares. They had depression. Many of them started to do drugs. You know, there was just so many of the same symptoms. That's when they came up with that diagnosis. So it could be any kind of a trauma that someone experiences. For me, it happened to be abortion. Those symptoms can happen. And and that's what happened, you know, right after the abortion. But also with post-traumatic stress disorder, it goes down inward until we're ready to face it. And I believe the Lord has given us the psychological defense of denial. Denial is one of the best gifts we can be given because denial protects us until we're ready to face the trauma. So when I was going through the post-abortion Bible study and I was in a safe place with two therapists 
and you know we were working it through obviously the lord knew that that was my safe place that i could unload it and boy did i ever unload it i mean i just never thought i was going to stop crying it was like the women in rama you know in the old testament i just felt like oh really? stop crying but but the most wonderful thing is that you know the lord can put closure on all of that and close that chapter of our lives and one of the things that we do in the bible study is at the very end we're able to have a memorial service so that all of us who are in that group, we actually lit candles for our babies and we named them. And it was just a way for us to just say, you know what, we believe our babies are in heaven. And, you know, one day we don't know, but we, we just kind of feel like we might meet them. And, um, you know, maybe the angels in heaven are bringing them up. We don't really know, but we just it just helped us to have that closure and, and that we you know could name that baby and then just have that peace that we could then move on with our lives. And so now, you know, when I sit with somebody who's either had an abortion or somebody who's considering an abortion, you know, I can still feel the pain. It's not like the pain ever totally goes away because when you're born to nurture life, as I mentioned before, as a woman and you end life, it goes against the whole natural part of who we are, right? It just doesn't. It's just, it, it doesn't make any sense. So we have to deal with that. And, and a lot of people, women, don't think that it's anything that they're going to have to deal with over the long haul. But, you know, I just want to let them know that, it, that you will have to face this and you're the only one who can live with it. And you have to be sure that when you make that decision, that's something you know you're, you're going to have to face. Because it just isn't that, you know, quick, easy fix that our society lets us think that it is. Right. And most women who have abortions don't just say, oh, I'm going to have an abortion today. You know, they feel backed into a corner. And so it's not like, you know, oh, I, you know, I'm just going to be flippant about it. No, you know, for the most part, you know, maybe there are some, but mostly, you know, women feel like it's their only choice. And so part of what we do in the pregnancy center is give them so many other choices and resources because many times it's finances you know, or many times they don't have a place to live or what, you know, something tangible we can help them with. So once we provide them with those resources, they can say, oh, I can do this. I can do this. So that's really so much of what pregnancy centers offer, you know, and and there's always the option of adoption as well, because there's so many couples out there who can't have children. You know, we have a high rate of infertility. So that option is out there as well. And I've walked through that with a couple of my clients over the years, not everybody can do that, but it's a very sacrificial gift when a birth mom is able to say, you know, I don't want to end the life of my baby, but I want to make sure that my baby is in a loving family. So that's what we try to do. This is some amazing work. I love the way that God just works everything. The situations are always good that we find ourselves in and they're I know they're not situations that he has destined and ordained for us to go through, but sometimes we just make choices, right? And have consequences. But I love the way he weaves them all together Mm -hmm. so that it all works out. Yes. Good. And and that is what I see and hear and feel with your entire um, story. And so I appreciate you. I also want to make note to everyone, I hope they're listening. That your prayer group was not just the pastor and some people, but there's some therapists in there. 
Um, yes, <laughs> yes. So there's therapy and Jesus, like all together, <laughs> working things out. So I just wanted to make sure I made note of that. So we've got like two minutes left. Okay. It's been so wonderful, but this is what I want to do in our last few minutes together, okay? I would like for you to give us your contact information first uh, so that people can reach out to you and connect with you, make sure they watch the film when it comes Mm -hmm. out and all that good stuff. And then, because we talked about this beforehand, typically I ask uh, my guests to leave us with a word of encouragement or something of that nature. You asked if you could pray. And so, you know what? That is how we're going to end Speak Up his podcast, One-on-One with Angel tonight. Is that okay with you? Yes. All right, perfect. So give us your contact information and then pray okay. for the people. Okay. All right. So my regular website is Jane Goldie Wynn, and it's uh, Jane, G-O-L-D-I-E-W-I-N-N.com. And then um, it is in the process of being made into a movie. And that website is rainbowinthenightmovie.com. And then you can go on that website and sign up for my newsletter where I give reports about it. We're just in the beginning stages now, and we're working on the trailer. So once the trailer is out there, then, you know, the, the rest of production will follow. But it's exciting because I just feel like it's going to help so many people. But, yes, let me close Angel in prayer if I can for anyone who might be watching or listening. <laughs> So, Lord, I just want to thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity tonight with Angel, Lord. And you said wherever two or more together touching anything on this earth, Lord, you hear us from heaven. And, Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would give hope to every single person out there who thinks, I I just don't know what to do. I don't know how I can get through this. Lord, again, if you can do this in my life and you can bring me to this wonderful place of true freedom and redemption, Lord. You can do the same for anyone else who might feel stuck and doesn't feel that it's possible, Lord, because nothing is impossible with you. So, Lord, just give the hope, give the encouragement, help people to reach out if they want to get connected to pregnancy resource centers and they need healing from abortion, Lord, please let them reach out. I can make sure they get connected. But we just trust, Father, that you will move and work And just do whatever you need to do in each and every person's life, Lord. But let them know that you love them and you forgive them. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 There is absolutely nothing else to be said at this point. Thank you so much, Goldie, for joining me for the one-on-one with Angel on Speak Up This podcast tonight. It has been an absolute blessing to have you in this place. Thank you so much for your yes. I'm blessed too, Angel, to have been a part of this. (laughs) Thank Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everyone, we have made it to the end of our episode tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. If you are in our viewing audience, I thank you. If you're watching via YouTube or anywhere else, go on over to YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Speak Up Says YouTube channel. Click the notification bell so that you receive alerts every time we're live and or upload new content. If you are not following us in our on our in our podcasting spaces, our audio spaces, please make sure that you listen and follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Anchor or 
iHeartRadio, Pandora, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, please make sure you follow us. And if you love what you hear, please rate us and review us as well. So I thank you all for tuning in tonight. And until next Monday, I say good night and continue to open up your mouths, people, and speak up. Good night.